Christians need to stop listening to the world and start listening to God so the thinking Christian becomes as natural as breathing. Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological conversations, Thinking Christian offers a mix of interviews and discussions that highlight the ways God is working in the lives of his people and question the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that keep the church from conforming more closely to the image of Christ. Now, on to today's episode of Thinking Christian. Hey everybody, welcome to Thinking Christian. Today we're going to be looking at the State of Theology Report. The State of Theology Report is put out by Ligonier Ministries, and it's done in a biannual fashion. And they ask a series of questions and just um, ask Christians and non-Christians to rate their agreement with those questions on a sliding scale. And so it's a fairly standard survey that you could expect to get. Um, But some of these questions, uh, as we look at the evangelical responses, are a little bit troubling. And so I thought it would be uh, worthwhile uh, to get through and, and go through in Thinking Christian uh, these questions and just discuss why they, why we should or should not agree with them or disagree with them and, uh, and give you some sense of what this survey really uh, suggests and how we need to be thinking rightly as Christians uh, about these various doctrines. And so the one we're going to address today is related to worship. And, um, you know, we've got, we live in a, a pluralistic society, right? So in, in the United States, we have a, uh, a number of different religions that are available to the, you know, individual Americans, right? They could be Christian, they could be Muslim, they could be Jewish, they could be um, Buddhist, Hindu, um, any number of different things. And so the, the, the statement that the, um, the State of Theology Report put forward to ask people how, whether they agreed with it or not, was this. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 56% of evangelicals agreed with that statement. So 56% of evangelicals, U.S. evangelicals, agreed that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now, to put that in context... Um, 56% is the highest percentage of agreement that, uh, people that this question has received over the last, uh, several years that the, uh, survey has actually been given 2016, 48% agreed 2018, 51%, 2020, 42%. And in 2022, 56% agreed. So what are we really to think about this? Um, what are we really to think about? God accepting the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. I think where we need to start really is, what is worship? What do we think when we think of as worship? And how does it relate to the basic nature of God? In other words, if we think of it as just, uh, as long as I am aiming my adoration at a higher power, God recognizes that as some sort of abstract or generic um, acceptance of him and says, hey, that's great. Thanks a lot. I accept. Or is worship something more specific than that? That's really what I think we need to wrestle with first. What uh, What do you think, James, that uh, that generally how do people view worship? So is this like the state of worship, really people's perception of what worship is? I think it probably is. I think there's a mix of things. If I had to read into this, which obviously I will, because I think there's there's a lot that's sort of left to question about these statements. You know, in any survey, you're sort of getting the blank agreement or disagreement with a question or with a statement. Right, And then we have to sort of read in and infer some things from that. And so what I would infer from this is two things. Uh, number one, we've gotten very used to in America having be, living in a pluralistic society. And we're uncomfortable with a God who does not accept Christianity, Judaism, Islam, all these other religions, 
as worship. We're we're uncomfortable with a God who does not does not accept the worship of other religions. Right. That may not mean that we think that all of those other religions uh, are lead to salvation. Mm-hmm. Right. May not may not have a corollary there. Although I would I would be suspicious. Maybe there is a correlation between those two views. Um, I think this is actually a better way of phrasing this statement because it stays away from salvific language and gives us a better insight into how people are actually thinking about their non-Christian neighbors. But if I look at at Scripture and I say, what is worship? Right, I would say it is the, the enactment of humble, submissive, uh, reverent acts toward the triune God that acknowledge his authority and that are rooted in an obedience to his instruction. Now, if I phrase it as specifically as that, it starts to become clear that, you know, Judaism and Islam and, and these various other areas, they don't worship the triune God. And if worship is defined as sort of reverence to that triune God, then obviously that worship isn't accepted. I would argue that that's probably the biblical teaching on this. Uh, I think that we see instances in the Old Testament, for instance, we just went through uh, on one of our other Useful to God episodes, we just talked about Cain and Abel. Right. And you see Abel's sacrifice is accepted, Cain's uh, God looks down on. And, And so there is a right way, a way that is appropriate to honor and reverence God in worship. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to think that part of that is having a right understanding of who you're worshiping. Yes. And, and so I think that as we look at this question, it's a little concerning that 56% of people would agree that God accepts worship from all religions. Mm-hmm. Um, because it assumes that people of all religions are sort of aiming their worship at the same God. Right. And and I think that that is probably a little off. Yeah. Well, and and if you think about it and you think about the Old Testament and you think about uh how people were worshiping, there was worship that was detestable to God in the Old Old Testament. Um I'm not saying that other people's worship is detestable to God, but when you look at it and you look at the history and you look at the biblical history of it, then all worship cannot be <laughs> aimed towards the same God. Right. I mean, you may, you, I, and I appreciate you may not want to say that it's all detestable to God. I will. Um, <laughs> I, I think that at, at the end of the day, if you, if you really think about this, if we were to replace God accepts worship of all idols. Right. You know, there there's a sense in which other religions, from a biblical standpoint, are mm-hmm. actually idolatry. Right. They have constructed a god from human hands, mm-hmm. apart from God's revelation in Scripture, right. right, and are now worshiping that god that has been either physically constructed, which in some cases that's actually what happens, Right. Or symbolically or conceptually constructed, mm-hmm. which is no less a human construction. Right. And so what I think we're really dealing with here is, does God accept idol worship? Right. And, and, and then you would even have to go to um, human sacrifice uh, as right. as an offering. Um, and I guess that's that that's a question, too, is. Is all offering worship, and I I know that what we do, whether it's the liturgy, whether we're giving of our tithes and offerings and uh, you know money, um, that is supposed to be an act of worship. That is the way our yeah. attitude should be. That is an offering of worship, right? So, is there a difference between offering and I guess? This is contingent on what you're doing, what you're offering, right? Uh, it, it really is. I mean, worship. you know, yeah. I mean, we we exchange money for a lot of different things. 
Right. Right. Um, and so that sort of transactional exchange, when I when I pay for groceries at the grocery store, that is not worship. That's not a giving away of money. To well, you're something. buying something. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I'm just purchasing something. That's the normal transactional relationship. Right. But if I were to go to a Muslim church and uh, give an offering to support um, the propagation of Muslim beliefs, that I think constitutes an act of worship. And, and okay. so, you know, we know as Christians, we believe as Christians, we know as Christians, the reality is, I think we have to be really careful with that language. What I don't want to present here is this. Christianity is not an opinion. Well, it's often phrased as an opinion. It's not an opinion. Right. Christianity is reality. And so when we're speaking about these things, there is reality and there is illusion. That's really all there is. Mm -hmm. And so when we're thinking about reality, we can either support reality or we can support illusion. And I think that in this question, what I'm seeing is when God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, first, it's a little disconcerting to see those three lumped together. Yeah, I understand why they're lumped together. Um, they usually constitute what would be uh, commonly referred to as like the Abrahamic religions, mm -hmm. right? All of them reference Abraham and sort of come from that general vicinity. Um, but even Judaism at this point right. uh, does not accept Christ. Mm -hmm. And so the God they worship is not a triune God. They've rejected Jesus. And so if we take John 14, 6 at, it, you know, at, at its face value, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's difficult to understand how even Jews standing at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, as sincere and devoted as they are in hoping that God will come back and reestablish the kingdom of Israel, reestablish, you know, send a Messiah. It, it, you know, we don't want to negate their authenticity. I think they truly believe that. Right. It doesn't make, mean that, that, that truly believing it makes it true. And, and so what we have is we, we want to be respectful of other religions, but at the end of the day, no, I don't think God accepts false worship. Mm -hmm. They're giving their lives away. And I think this goes back to something, uh, you know, very simple, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, which I would say is, you know, that strength there. Um, it's, uh, it's the Hebrew word me'od. And so when we look at it in Genesis, uh, the creation narrative, when God created the world and he's done with everything and he looks back on it and he says, this is very good. Me'od is very, it's, it's muchness, right? It's sort of like beyond good, right? Right. It's sort of what he's saying. And so at the end of Deuteronomy 6, 5, it, it's your muchness, your veriness, your me'od, right? Everything you are and have is to be dedicated to the Lord. Well, to dedicate it to the Lord, you sort of have to know who that is. And so within the limited range of revelation that the Jews were given in the Old Testament, I think they were giving worship. They were revering the God that they knew. Right. But once we get into the New Testament, there is... God revealed in Jesus Christ. There is God received in the Holy Spirit. And so now what worship is, is not revering what you thought you knew. It's recognizing the God you've been worshiping the whole time. And, and so I think even with Judaism, we're, we're on really shaky ground if we say, no, God accepts the worship of Judaism. I don't think that's true. I right. think that rejection of Christ is rejection of God, and right. thus you have no conduit. For worship you have no context for it because if god now is god the father god the son god the holy spirit you're not recognizing him as such and that is part of what it means to give reverence to and obey the instruction of the triune god i i wonder how that goes over you know <laughs> but I, and and does it matter right because what you're doing is that you're saying if if you're a follower of jesus christ and you believe in in jesus christ and you believe that he is who he said he was, and you believe that he rose from the dead. That was the sacrifice that we uh, are saved by. If you reject that, 
then that cheapens what Jesus did at the cross. Yeah, I, I think the real crux of the issue, uh, you know, aside from the identity of Christ, which is a real crux, right? Um, but here's what I'd say. I think that, especially in America, and this is U.S. Christians that are being U.S. evangelicals who are being surveyed in the State of Theology Report. Right. And so I think particularly in the United States, we have been, we've committed to respecting the religion of others. We've, we've committed to respecting that Muslims can be Muslim, that mm -hmm. Jews can be Jews, that Christians can be Christians, and all the different sects and species of, of different religious belief. We've committed to respecting. I think there's a danger, though, in committed to respecting that, that we somehow think that we have to make those religious convictions align with reality in a way that they don't. We're going to break right there, and then we'll be right back after these messages. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological conversations, Thinking Christian offers a mix of interviews and discussions that highlight the ways God is working in the lives of his people and question the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that keep the church from conforming more closely to the image of Christ. I recognize that God does not want me to coerce these people into being Christians. There's no way to force them into that, right? There's no, there's no way to... Uh, there's a great uh, Adam Sandler skit uh, on Saturday Night Live. This is a, like a perfect example. Just follow me for a second. He's, uh, he's pretending to run this... Um, tour company in Italy and uh, about you know midway through he says um, listen I just want to give a disclaimer right if you're sad in America you're probably going to still be sad in Italy <laughs> right he says uh here's what we can do we can we can take you on a hike what we can't do is make you into someone who loves hiking Right. And so he's got this dichotomy. And, and I think that's very much how we need to think about religion. Right. We can, you know, our job is not to force people to become Christians. Right. You can't force someone into becoming someone who loves hiking. Right. Right. I can take them on a hike, but I can't force them to love hiking. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, if we in America, when we think about that respect, we either respond to then uh, these multi, this type of a question, God accepts the worship of all religions. We accept that or we, we respond to that in this way. We either say, well, if I say he doesn't, that sort of slights everybody else. 
and that's going to make them feel bad. And that sort of isn't particularly respectful. But I think that that's actually the least compassionate answer. And so what I would argue is that if we were to say, no, we don't agree that God accepts the worship of all religions. That is not to disrespect all religions, but to refocus us on our Christian mission of making disciples of all nations, of saving people from an idolatrous existence, of sharing the gospel with them. It has nothing to do with, you know, sort of the weird Christian nationalist stuff or let's make everybody Christian just by name or whatever. Like none of that. Sheer evangelism and discipleship. Just helping people understand who God is and and hoping and praying that they convert to Christianity, that they truly have a life-saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I think when we say, no, God accepts the worship of our religions, I think we're discounting our mission as the church right. to bring these people into all truth. And and it it, I think, blunts our compassion, really. Because there's no longer any reason for us to be particularly compassionate, because after all, um, God is accepting their worship too. Maybe there's more that I don't know. Maybe he's going to do more than I think. Um, so why should I try to convert them? That's sort of my concern with this type of question and the answer. You know, 56% agreeing with this is a little bit scary. Um, because it does suggest that people are are adopting sort of a live and let live attitude, which I right. think is a little bit more American and a little bit less Christian. Yeah, and then uh, as as you as you have said many many times, you know, as far as discipleship, it cheapens discipleship as well. Uh, how can you be a disciple? Uh, and 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 then go along with uh, that same thing. It it's it's it really is the same thing like we were talking before. But discipleship, um, there's no reason to disciple people if they're 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 always on the right track or they're they're worshiping the same God, right? Yeah, it's a it's a very strange sort of. I, I think you know the the various things that we can infer from this statement are. are on a range of, uh, there's a spectrum of problems related to those who agree with the statement. <laughs> are are they saying that um, God accepts the worship of all religions and thus accepts all those from all religions? That's a whole separate issue, right? If you're accepting the worship, does that mean you're just, you're really happy that all these lost people uh, are are worshiping something? Right, right, yeah. And and I, I just don't, I'm not sure I see God, you know, being particularly <laughs> pleased with that, right? right? Like, um, and again, I think that maybe sometimes we're glamorizing other religions, right? Mm -hmm. We tend to distinguish between world religions and cults. And there's a real distinction between those, right? I don't want to, I, I don't mean to collapse the two. But the reality is, um, you know, the basic idea of worshiping something is pursuing it with a gusto, right? That encompasses a, if not all of your life, uh, a large majority of your life. And so if we were to substitute anything in there except for all religions, right? You could say this about addiction. God accepts the worship of alcohol. God accepts the worship of pornography. God accepts the worship of, you know, um, illegal drugs. No, he doesn't. These these are problematic human conditions. They are. These are things that that we give ourselves to, that we give our attention to, that we give our our ourselves over to. To pursuing, we we put energy into them, right? We we dedicate ourselves to finding them, like those kind of ideas. That's what worship entails. Mm -hmm. And so if we substituted anything of those in here, I think we get completely different answers. But because it's religions, we tend to view religion as something that has general utility. 
religion, in other words, teaches morals. And someone who worships a, a, a fairly sanitary, um, relatively nonviolent, um, generally wholesome God, surely God accepts that worship. And I'm just not sure that's the case because all of those adjectives fall short of holiness. We serve a holy God. We serve a God who is set apart. And it's difficult for me to believe that a God who is set apart is going to be particularly happy being having, you know, a, a mistaken identity. Right. Well, you know, and, and it, it gets to like when we were talking about the, the the separation of church and state when we when we when we looked at that yeah uh, and and you look at you said something and 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 it really made a lot of sense to me there is a difference between the sacred and the secular yeah and and you know it's as simple as that uh, as uh, you know when you look at separation and then you look at um, at, at at what holy means right yeah it holy is actually what that separation is that's right it's set apart yeah and 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 that's not that's not to say well we're it's divide and conquer it's not that's not that's not the whole that's not that's not the holy thing yeah (laughs) I, i think you know at the end of the day you know we have adopted this impression that the church is a voluntary society ah. right like it it's sort of like joining sam's club or um, <laughs> costco right we buy in for our membership and we can cancel at any time yeah if somebody hugs what... me right if somebody hugs me at uh, at costco i'm gonna i'm gonna sock them one i mean <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that is hey brother <laughs> that's generally the idea that we have of the church Right? right it's a voluntary association and in part that's because we we tend to view even as christians we tend to view i think christianity as an opinion yeah it's our personal opinion but the reality is the church is not a voluntary society we're called into this right right we're we're drawn into it and, and i don't want to get into the whole calvinist arminian stuff right but just if we think about the Bible verses that were, you know, um, you know, first Peter talks about this. Um, Paul's writings have this all over the place. Christians are called into this. Right. We we aren't <laughs> we don't choose it. Right. it. It's not like, oh, yeah, no, I know. I know about Jesus. I know he raised from the dead. I know. I know all that. Uh, I'm just opting out for the moment. I'm good. Right. It, it's it, it's sort of. Like, no, the church is constituted by something other than our volition. Right. And so even if we view it from that angle and we take a step back and we say, well, does God accept the worship of non-Christian religions? No. God has called the people apart. He separated us from everyone else to give him worship, to give him glory. And these other people are not there. They're not doing that. It's part of what distinguishes us. And so to collapse, you know, other religions into that, I think is a real problem. It suggests things about the church that simply are not true. The church is a distinct entity in and of itself. And in order for it to be a distinct entity, it does things that are distinct as part of its nature. And so even though we call what we do worship and what other religions do as worship, they are fundamentally different things. And they're aimed at fundamentally different characters. The God that that Islam worships is Allah. I don't know that God. Yeah. I, I have no relationship to him whatsoever. I know his name, Allah. Outside of that, I know nothing about Islam. Truly, like nothing, right? Judaism is a little harder to distinguish because you've got the the Hebrew Bible, mm-hmm. right? But the real crux of it is Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus is the stumbling block 
And so we don't, I don't think we get to preserve the, you know, the Jewish people as worshiping the same God as we do, given that the New Testament talks about Jesus as the stumbling block. And so we've got to be really clear about this. I think it, it goes to our identity as much as it goes to the lostness of these other religions. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the church is fundamentally distinct, and we do distinctive things by nature of the fact that we have a relationship with a distinctive God. Yes. That's sort of where it sits for me. Yeah. So this one is really deeply concerning because it it is, like I said, it's, you know, 56% of U.S. evangelical Christians. Right. That's a crazy number, man. It really is. <laughs> you know, um, doesn't mean that 56% of people in your church feel this way, mm-hmm. right? But 56% of people surveyed, which is mm-hmm. not trivial, agreed with that statement. There's either confusion about it or actual belief in it. Either one, I think, are problematic. Stick around. We're coming back. It goes without saying, but the Bible has changed so many lives. Take a second and think about it. If you didn't have access to a Bible or were even allowed to have one, this is a reality that many are facing. That's why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my book, Christian Resistance. Simply text THINKING to 71326 to help today. That's T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. Or visit give.crew.org backslash thinking. Again, that's give.cru.org backslash thinking. Message and data rates may apply. Available to U.S. addresses only. Welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is Dr. James Spencer. Through calm, thoughtful, theological conversations, Thinking Christian offers a mix of interviews and discussions that highlight the ways God is working in the lives of his people and question the underlying social, cultural, and political assumptions that keep the church from conforming more closely to the image of Christ. How much do you think that, as we have seen in political circles, how much do you think that is because, you know, when you look at like 9-11 and, mm-hmm. you, and you think about those, uh, those times where they, these are very divisive times uh, in, uh, from, a, from a religious standpoint because of political and, and, and terrorists, uh, acts uh, that that happened. How much do you think that is the perception of, of these fifty six percent of uh, evangelicals that because of uh, of political correctness with uh, with the whole Hamas and and mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and Israel? How much do you think that is a political thing that people have said? You know, we have to be politically correct here because otherwise. Uh, we get labeled as something else. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. It it's difficult to know because this is an anonymous survey, right. and so my concern. I would actually be happier in a lot of ways if people people felt pressured into answering this way. Right, right, right. I think the trouble is that it's an anonymous survey. Yeah, nobody's going to know that you answered one way or the other. Right. Ever. I mean, it's going to be reported just like it is right now on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we don't know who these 56% were that were responding. We just know that they responded. Who are you? Call in now. (laughs) Yeah. And so I I think the more troubling idea is that, you know, given the things that you referenced, 9-11 and the various uh, difficulties we've had with terrorists and now with Hamas and all that kind of good stuff. I think my my more the more pressing concern very much is do people actually believe this? In other words, um respect right. has turned or respect and tolerance has turned into acceptance. Right. And what I mean by acceptance is not um 
you know, I could go to a dinner party with you without, um, you know, berating you in the middle of it. Right. I don't mean that. What I mean is, have we gotten to a point where we bought into this idea that Christianity and the Christianity, uh, the Christian doctrines that portray God are actually just Christian clothing that has been put on something that is more real than right. actually the Christian God. In other words, there's a reality out there that we dress in Christian garb, but that reality can also be dressed in Jewish garb or Muslim garb or Hindu garb or, you know, whatever. And and I think that to me is the bigger danger. In other words, are, are we really seeing here people saying there are multiple paths to God? That's certainly not what the question um, says right, right. or the statement says. Yeah. But that would be my bigger concern because I don't see how people would feel pressured to answer a particular way on this question given yeah, that it's anonymous. But I, I don't know, uh, because, I mean, if you look at, I wonder how many people, let's say in recent years, you saw people change their minds on gay marriage. You heard that the the mm -hmm. uh, majority of people, especially evangelical Christians, were not for gay marriage, right? Sure. And then there was this certain um there was a about a five-year time period maybe even faster than that where there seemed like people started changing their minds uh whether that was anonymous or whether that was you know so, suddenly yeah. the polls changed right what was that was it just that we were conditioned uh we were um there there was like this sandpaper on on those these are deeply held beliefs and 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 that um that perception says well i even if it's anonymous i don't want to be known as being somebody who's intolerant right yeah so i i'd say two things um number one it's probably a real complex issue i mean it's probably a whole show in itself right yeah. Um, because what I would start pointing to are things that desensitize us to um, and, and and sort of begin to erode our convictions about those issues. Right. Right. So um, I know a lot of, know a lot of gay people. I trained a lot of gay people when I was a personal trainer. Um, it's harder to condemn someone. Right. When they're standing right in front of you and you actually know. Sure. Them. Right. Right. It's and, much easier and, to, and, to, to condemn an issue. Can, right. But yeah. And, and, and that's, I, I don't know if condemnation was, but, but it was, it was Fair. actually perceived as that. Right. So, yeah. It, 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 so I'll, I'll, let me rephrase it. Cause I think you're right. Condemnation language probably isn't the right language, but um, I think it's harder to tell the truth to someone that you know and like. Right. Right. It it would have been very difficult, I think, for me to talk to some of the clients that I developed relationships over multiple years about my convictions regarding um, same sex practices. Right. That would have been really difficult. Yeah. But to speak about it in the abstract. Right. With no particular reference, fairly simple. Mm -hmm. And so what I think partly I, I say that to say this. In part, what I think happened uh, in the United States with regard to something like gay marriage was that it became mainstream. And in becoming mainstream, it became sympathetic. And right. in becoming sympathetic, people had someone to identify with and to say, these are human beings just like we are. Right. Now, there's many things about that that I think are good. Yeah, I right? do too. You know, one of the things that I, I was surprised at when we were, um, Kim and I were going through our foster care training, um, there's a whole unit on transgenderism. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things they, they teach in there is that uh, there's a much higher percentage of transgender youth who end up homeless because their parents kick them out of the house. Right. 
Now, I don't care what your feelings are about transgenderism, any of you out there, right? Before you can be against it and be whatever. But I think everybody should be able to agree that young teens being kicked out on the street and becoming homeless is not a good thing. Right. I agree. Yeah. And and so you sit back and you say, yeah, that's where, that's what I mean when I say there's a certain degree of tolerance that I think we all need to have for these things. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so that's the part that I think would be really good mm -hmm. is if we could just sit back and say, I deeply disagree with the decisions you're making for your life. I deeply disagree with the things that you're thinking. You know, I, I can deeply disagree with those things and still not put you out on the street to suffer. Right. Like that's just patently wrong in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that there's my point is there's a familiarity that I think allows for tolerance. And then I think there's a familiarity that drives beyond tolerance to acceptance. And, and I think that tolerance was probably a, within the range of what we needed as a society within the United States. Right. Right. And that tolerance would have included Christian conviction regarding various lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. In other words, I can speak against a lifestyle choice without being viewed as hatred or without that being viewed as hatred. Right. Um, I think acceptance relegates people to um lostness mm -hmm. in a way that i just especially within the christian community i just can't countenance i, I right. just don't see that that's the right move for us to make yes be loving right yes be tolerant right i don't think there's any reason for us to be burning people at the stake or or even condemning people publicly i, right. I don't find those things to be particularly uh palatable to me as a christian but at the same time these are lost people right and so what are we really trying to do with them well we're not trying to change them morally mm -hmm. that's not our job our job is to proclaim the gospel to them and so when we think about a statement like this which is you know god accepts the worship of all religions I see us abdicating that central duty that we are supposed to exercise. Mm -hmm. If we are to proclaim the gospel to all people and we're willing to say, no, God accepts your worship. Don't worry about it. Right. I don't know where we're at as a church. And that is to me, the scariest part of this. Well, and, and then if you look at it and, you know, we're, we're going to do, some shows about the whole Christian nationalism type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of say, wait a minute, maybe, maybe that's part of the perception. Maybe that's part of the erosion is that people are saying, I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be uh, looking as a hater or a, uh, all of those kind of things. And, yeah. you know, hatred is, is really the optimum uh, word there because um, yeah. unfortunately uh, tolerance, which I think we do need tolerance uh, in in the in the very basic term of tolerant rating others, um, but that doesn't mean you say, "Boy, I'm going to endorse their God <laughs> as well," and say that right. uh, their God is equal to our God. You know, the you know, and and that's right. that's the and whole I thing. Think and, I think and then, this, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And then you have to, to, to say too, is that is Christian nationalism a religion in itself too? Because what, what you're saying is that they worship, they worship the country, you know, they'll, they'll they're going to sing. I'm proud to be an American before they uh, yeah. sing. Holy, Holy, Holy. Right. So, and it's tough for, it's tough to argue a convergence of these ideas. Right. So I don't want to present the idea that these two are um, absolutely linked together. Right. Right. But what I would say is if if I were a betting man. Right. And I were, you know, reading the tea leaves and putting some of these things together. Um, what I see is. Uh, the preclusion of the establishment of a state religion. 
and the provision of free exercise mm -hmm. keeps the government from authorizing any particular religious establishment as the state establishment of the United States. And so what you have is, for instance, you know, you had this in uh, early colonial America. The federal government didn't have the same level of power that it has right now. And right. so up to even, you know, into the 1817, 1820s, uh, maybe even eking closer to the 1850s, certain states within the United States had state established churches. So um, the famous uh, Jefferson letter to the Danbury churches, right, or the Danbury Baptists, right. that was a response to a letter that the Danbury Baptists had written to Thomas Jefferson from a context in which the Baptists were trying to be a church within a state, Connecticut, that had a state-established church. Right. The Congregationalists were the state-established church of Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And so... You you take a look at that, right? And you say, okay, we've gotten past all that, right? There aren't any more state-established churches. But that that First Amendment does not preclude the United States from creating a civil religion. In other words, it precludes it from establishing an existing religious establishment, but it does not preclude it from being a religion unto itself. And I think that's largely what we're seeing right now. We're seeing a rise of civil religion, and we're seeing a definition, a redefining of sacred and profane. And so if we bring it down to brass tacks, there's a lot of things that are involved in in defining religion, right? right. So this is not a sociology of religion uh, discussion. But if you just bring it down to bar brass tacks and you think, what do religions do, Right. Well, in part, what they do, one of their main functions is to distinguish between sacred and profane. They create distinctions. And I think that in a large part, that's what we're that's what we're wrestling with here. I think it's becoming profane to say that another religion uh, does not have access to God. I think it's becoming profane to say that, um, you know, certain perspectives are inappropriate or sinful or um, that God rejects them. And I think it's becoming sacred to accept all people. Yeah. Hmm. And, and so what you, what you end up with is uh, this sort of unholy merger right. of, of government and spirituality or government and sort of pseudo theology that uh, creates problems like I think what we could be seeing here in this survey, where 56% agree that God accepts all worship from all religions. It's a very big problem, right? Just sitting as this rock. And I have a feeling that there's, there's you know, the complexity of sorting this out is uh, far beyond what we're going to deal with today. But I will say, I think civil religion has a lot to do with it. I think um, lack of discipleship in the church obviously has something to do with it. And I think that our uh, context in a an environment of privilege and provision, and I know privilege gets used a lot, right? So I'm not using it in terms like white privilege or anything like that. But right. if we look at the difference between American Christians and Christians all over the world, we got it pretty good. Yeah, we're not the persecuted church. You know, so right. That's... We we get paper cuts, not persecution. And so <laughs> like we're, you know, that's what I mean by privilege. We have we have a lot of prosperity, we have a lot of um general well-being in comparison to a lot of the rest of the church. And yes. to some degree that prosperity has been attributed to our system of government as opposed mm -hmm. to our God. And so now these statements begin, I think, to make more and more sense because our loyalties are subtly shifting away from our God to our government. That's my big concern. Right. I don't know that it's that simple, but that is my big concern. Well, I'm glad that you did. Um, you simplified it uh, because it is 
it's a big issue. I, I know I just went down a couple of rabbit holes and I, and I apologize for that, but um, not at all. These were, these are the kind of conversations where you don't hear very often because people are afraid to talk um, openly about this and have a civil conversation about it because it quickly becomes something other than civil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really does. And I think that's, that is unfortunate because these are the things, if, if Christianity cannot distinguish itself from other religions, right. even just on one point, yeah. like, yeah, we worship just like everybody else. And we worship basically the same God as everybody else. And God accepts all our worship. And it's like, so are you telling me that I should go to a, you know, a mosque on Sunday? to share in their worship since God accepts it as well. The downstream effects of it, I don't think people are thinking about when they're answering this question. Yes. When they're agreeing with it, I don't think they're getting what they're really saying. And, and so that's where I have trouble with this. It's, um, and, and I do think it needs to just be a cordial conversation. I, you know, I don't really believe in, you know, shouting people down or, or uh, even getting angry or defensive. But I do think that we need to hold our boundaries. Right. I, I think there have to be distinctives. And if we can't have those distinctives, we are not really Christian anymore. The church is something, right? And it's something not of our making. We're supposed to stay within that. Right. <laughs> and, if we, and when we don't, we're just, we're distorting what it is. Mm-hmm. That's, that's right. not what we're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, this, uh, if, if you haven't looked at the State of Theology report, uh, I'd encourage you to do so. You can find it at thestateoftheology.com. And uh, you pull up a nice, they've got a great PDF where it summarizes a lot of these findings. There's a few of the other questions that we'll be addressing on other episodes of Thinking Christian. But um, you can find it again at thestateoftheology.com. So I'd encourage you to check it out and welcome you back next time on Thinking Christian when we address another uh, few of these different uh, statements that were put out in the theology report and um, kind of dive into what I'm thinking about them, how we how we should process them as Christians. And um, yeah, looking forward to those conversations. So thanks a lot for being here. Thanks, Richard, for the interaction. Thank you, James. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the Thinking Christian Podcast. Christians need to stop listening to the world and start listening to God so that Thinking Christian becomes as natural as breathing. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan. Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.